Well, good morning. I think I'm like the seventh person to say good morning. I hope you're having a good morning. Uh, my name's Kevin Norcross, uh, pastor of Next Generation and Outreach. And yeah, looking forward to sharing God's word with you today. We're continuing on in the series of Mark. Um, and uh, just want to say welcome to those of you who are new. I'd love to meet you after the service and those watching at home. Thanks for joining with us today. So we're looking at Mark chapter 9, verses 2 to 13. And today we're going to look at uh, an encounter that three disciples had with Jesus and how it affected their life. Um, an encounter with Jesus is something that we have an opportunity to have each and every day. Perhaps uh, reflecting in, in your life, you would look back at some monumental things that have happened in your life, some encounters with Jesus that you had. For me, I remember the day I stood in a tank just like that and was baptized. Maybe that's a memory for you, an encounter that you had. I remember going to youth convention and worshiping with thousands of other students and having these God moments realizing, wow, I'm not alone. <laughs> There's a huge family of Christ out there in this world. I remember going to youth camp as a teenager and God impressing on my heart to go into full-time ministry. That was a, a God encounter. I remember going on a missions trip as a young adult. We went to China for a month and experiencing God's work in a different culture on the other side of the world, a God encounter. Multiple times in worship services, just like this, singing praises to God and just being overwhelmed with the sense of God's truth and the fact that he's real. Another way I've encountered God in my life is through making big decisions. When I have big decisions to make, I, I, I diligently pray and make pros and con lists. And I find in those deep times of seeking God's will, I encounter Jesus in a new way. Times of difficulty when I felt overwhelmed uh, and, and burdened by this world or something that I'm going through, I have an encounter with Jesus. I had an encounter with Jesus last Sunday here in the service, and it's beautiful because God is at work at our church. Something was stirring in my heart the entire service, just coming to terms with the fact that God's not dead, he's alive. God's not far off, he's close. God's not quiet. He cares deeply about what we're going through. And he was at work in, in our services just like he is today. If you were here, I got up and I, I fumbled through the end of my announcements because I was, I was just caught up in the, not just emotion, but the fact that God is at work. And God is at work here at West Park. He is moving in and amongst his people. And we're all going to respond in different ways. We all react in different ways. Um, but the point is that we need to lean into what God's doing because he's doing something great in your heart, in my heart, in our heart, in, in us as a church and this, in, this opportunity to have an encounter with Jesus, this is what those disciples went through that day. And we're going to learn from them. We're going to learn some things from them and see how their lives were changed because of this encounter with Jesus. So you can go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 9, verse 2. Jesus had just explained to them that he must suffer and die and be raised again. He also was teaching them, whoever is following me must also lay down their life and be born again. We learned last week from Pastor Corey about the deep call of discipleship and its high cost. We he talked about the kingdom cost Jesus his life. He died so that we could be free. The kingdom costs us our lives. We need to lay down our lives at the feet of Christ. The kingdom costs nothing we cannot afford to lose. Anything that Christ has asked us to do away with is for our good, benefit, and flourishing. 
And the fourth point from last week is the kingdom costs us love with the world. We can't love the world and live inside the kingdom. We learned also about how Mark is broken up uh, and the different themes in Mark. The first part of Mark uh, 1 to 8.26 answers the question, who is Jesus? Mark 8.27 to 29 talks about who Jesus is. And then now the third part of Mark, why Jesus came. And that's where we're in today. We're learning about the why Jesus came. And the disciples are are wrestling and battling with what, what this means. They're trying to come to terms with what is going on here. And they're wrestling with what it means to truly be a disciple of Jesus. So now that you're all comfortable and settled in, why don't you stand up and we're going to read this scripture today. Mark chapter 9, verse 2 to 13. It says this, After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before him, before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Verse 7, then a cloud appeared and enveloped them. And a voice came from the cloud, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly they looked around. They no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had been risen from the dead. They kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. And they asked him, why do, you, why do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, to be sure, Elijah does come first and restores all things. Why then is it written that the Son of Man will suffer much and be rejected? But I tell you, Elijah has come, and they have done to him everything they wished, just as it is written about him. All right, you may be seated. So just to recap, the disciples had this encounter with Jesus. They met with Jesus on this mountain. The glory of God was, be, was revealed, and they were changed because of it. And we have a lot to learn from them. So the big idea for today is that an encounter with Jesus must produce life change. When we encounter Jesus, it must produce life change. We're going to learn from the encounter that these disciples had with Jesus and how it changed their life and realize that we as Christ followers have the opportunity to have those encounters with Jesus as well, but it must produce change in our hearts. So let's go through verse by verse. So verse 2, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain. They were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. So this is the first point in your notes there to fill in the blanks. The first point is they climbed the mountain. They climbed the mountain. Jesus took his inner circle up the mountain with him. These were the ones that he was closest to, and these were the ones that he wanted with him as he experienced this monumental moment in his life. This shows the importance of what's about to happen. The fact that Jesus is going up the mountain with these three, his inner circle, should cause us as the reader to lean in. Something big is about to happen. You know that phrase, on the edge of my seat? If you're watching sports, perhaps, and something big is about to happen, and you get on the edge of your seat because you want to see what's going to happen. That's what's happening in the scripture. He took his inner circle up to the mountain, 
And, uh, and we should be, it should cause us to read in what's going to happen next. Another takeaway here is that Jesus took those who were closest with him to that mountainside. It's a reminder to us that we need people close to us. We need an inner circle. Jesus had an inner circle of disciples who were close to him. And we should have that in our lives as well. People who uh, will support us, people who will pray for us, people who are like-minded, people who will build us up. And if you don't have that in your life, I encourage you to pray and ask God for that. I encourage you to seek that out. We don't have to be friends with, best friends with the whole world, but there are specific people in your life that can build you up. And perhaps you need to seek out someone to be that support to as well. Another takeaway from this is it's an example of walking in obedience with Christ. Jesus said, hey guys, let's go up the mountain. They said, yeah, let's go. We need to be like that as Christ followers. When Jesus prompts us, when God prompts us, we need to be quick to follow his leading and his guidance. So Jesus and the three disciples went up the mountain. Then verse three, it says, his clothes became dazzling white, dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. So Jesus was transfigured before them and his clothes became white. This is a second point you can fill in. They encountered Jesus. They encountered Jesus in this moment. They had been used to seeing Jesus in his human form, but we know that, that Jesus was fully God and fully human. And in this moment, they saw the glory of God revealed before them. They had seen glimpses of it along the way with some of his teachings. They had seen glimpses of it along the way with uh, the miracles that he performed. But in this moment, they were like, wow. They were, they were blown away. They were awestruck. I don't know if you've ever met someone famous. Uh, I've shared this before, but when I was younger, I met some of the old, old Blue Jays. Kelly Gruber and George Bell. I got to meet those guys. When I was growing up in Scarborough, I... I I was in a restaurant and Ty Domi was there. He's another old, I sound old, wow. <laughs> another old Maple Leafs player. 10, 13 years ago, I went to a conference and John Piper was the speaker. And I wanted to meet him. So I went and I stood in line and he was just there at the front, so gracious and kind and, and greeting people. And I'm embarrassed to say, as I got closer in line, I got a little, a little lump in my throat. And I got all weird and, and felt awkward. And when I got up and I spoke to him, I said something really stupid and fumbled my words. But when you meet someone famous or when you have that interaction, something, it changes you, it affects you. And that's what was happening to the disciples in this moment. They were awestruck by God. They were blown away by what they, by what they saw. We have this opportunity to know this amazing incredible God in Jesus Christ. They experienced his amazing, dazzling glory revealed in that moment. And we have that opportunity as well. We have the privilege to get to know him. We can learn more about him. We can have a relationship with him. We can learn from scripture. We can pray. We can worship and we can sing. And it's so awesome to have this opportunity to connect with God in this way. But sometimes we allow it, our relationship with Jesus to just become too familiar sometimes. And we neglect to remember how awesome and amazing and incredible and powerful and loving and kind and gracious he is. And we have the opportunity to get to know that Christ and to become more like him. And that's something to celebrate. 
Never lose that excitement and that amazement of who Jesus is and what he's done for you. Cherish it. Make room in your life to have encounters with Jesus. They took the step to go up that mountain. What's some steps that you can take in your own life to encounter Jesus? Set aside time in your routine, daily routine to pray, to sing, to reflect, to worship, to read God's word and encounter him. You know, we come to church with an expectation to meet with Jesus and to be a blessing to other people and learn truth and sing truth and grow in our walk with Christ. But if Sundays is the only time that you do that, you're missing out. You're missing out. If you want to encounter Jesus in a deeper way and understand truth in a deeper way and go deeper in your walk with Jesus on a Sunday, it should be an overflow of your daily walk that leads up to Sunday. Sundays can't just be this switch that you turn on and off. Time to do the Christian thing and come to church. It's got to be an overflow of your relationship with God. And you will have a deeper and more rich learning and growing and transforming um, experience as you come on a Sunday. So be open to God, revealing himself to you in new ways. Verse 4, it says this. And then there appeared before them Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. Now, this is uh, new to us, but it would be very familiar to the disciples because they were familiar with the Old Testament teaching. And they understood the Old Testament and they understood what was written about the Messiah. So in Matthew 5, 17, Jesus made this claim. Do you think that I've come to abolish the law and the prophets? I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So they would have understood that. They would have been very familiar with that. And so Jesus came to fulfill the law and the prophets. Moses represents the law. Elijah represents the prophets. So their appearance in this moment is confirming that Jesus came to fulfill the Old Testament. And Jesus is greater than the giver of the law, Moses. And he's greater than the greatest of the prophets, Elijah. Verse 5. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. So our good friend Peter, our good friend Peter, true to form, Peter does something impulsively. <laughs> he, he is greatly moved by this experience and he says, we need to stay here. Let's build a tent and let's stay here. I never want to go off this mountain. I'm just loving what I'm experiencing right now. But he didn't understand that they needed to, yes, have this encounter with Jesus, be affected by this encounter with Jesus, but then they had to get off the mountain because there was still work to do. Listen, it's good to experience God. It's good to build a healthy routine in your daily time of devotions. It's good to come to church and celebrate God's goodness. But that can't be what it's all about. It's got to produce change. It's got to produce action. And that's the third point. They came down changed. They came down changed. There's more to this Christian experience than just experiencing God. Action must follow. An encounter with Jesus must produce life change. Again, God's doing great things here at West Park. God is on the move in your life and in the lives of those around you. We have the amazing opportunity to come here on a Sunday and, and experience God and his goodness. 
We sing, we learn scripture, the teaching is rich, the, the songs are rich, full of truth, and it's engaging. But if that's what it's all about, then we're falling short. Our encounters with Jesus in your daily routine or however you encounter Jesus and coming on Sundays must affect all areas of our life. It must produce action. It must produce repentance. It must produce change. It must produce adjustments in your daily living as you get to know Jesus and you become more like him. Like the disciples, you can't just stay on the mountain, but you must come down and finish the work that God has called you to do. We must respond in all areas of our life and become more Christ-like in them. Our choices, motives, actions, how we spend our time, serving, being generous with our finances, caring for those in need, our life goals, relationships, priorities, and the list goes on. This relationship with Christ can't just be a one-time encounter when you came to faith or a one-time encounter when you were baptized or a one-time encounter uh, on a Sunday. It's got to be an ongoing thing. We should live in awe of him. And the more we become, the more we become like him and understand him, the more it should affect how we live and be changed by the glory of God. Verse seven, then a cloud appeared and covered them. A voice came from the cloud. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. This is really cool. We see in the old Testament, God's presence in the form of a cloud. He led the Israelites with a cloud uh, by day and fire by night. And then the, uh, it appears in this cloud. So it represents God's spirit at work. And it says it enveloped them. It enveloped them. It wrapped them up in this cloud. Listen, we can't just encounter God from a distance. We just can't be bystanders and stay far off from God. But we need to come close to God and be wrapped up. In, in him and in his presence. I've used this analogy before. Imagine a pool and the pool represents uh, the goodness of God, the things of God, a walk with God. And there's many people around this pool on the deck. Some are on, uh, standing on the deck. Some people are up in the stands. Some people are, are far off from the pool. But then there's others closer to the pool. Some people are in the shallow end. Some people are in the deep end. Some people are sitting with their feet in. Some people are standing just kind of checking things out. We're all at different stages in our relationship with God. We're all in different areas. My challenge to you today is to take the plunge, to get up on that diving board and, and jump in a big old cannonball and say, God, I'm all in. I don't just want to experience you from a distance. I want to experience all of you as much as I possibly can. And that's what happened to them in this moment. They were in, in, enveloped by this cloud. They were consumed by God in this moment. We also see the voice of God speak, says, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. At Jesus' baptism in Mark 1, 1, the voice spoke to him, and now this voice speaks to the disciples and confirms again that Jesus is the son of God. This would have been very helpful for the disciples. It would have built their confidence that um, even though uh, the Jews would reject him, he's accepted by God. This would have helped them because they knew that the things that Jesus was claiming about himself were actually true. They were about to go through this experience of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And in this moment, God speaks and brings great comfort. There was tremendous uh, persecution that they were going to face 
because of what they were going to go through. And similar to our day today, as we stand up for truth and as we speak truth and as we live out the life of Christ in front of people around us, it's going to offend some people. It's going to upset some people. But that doesn't mean we shy away from it. We speak the word boldly and with humility. So I challenge you, develop a daily routine, a daily habit of consuming God's word. We need to understand God's word really, really well. And there's some great Christian uh, thinkers out there who are thinking hard about some of our key um, uh, topics of the day. Listen to them. Don't settle with just being spoon-fed what, what the world tells you is the truth. Be consumed with the word of God and his truth and what he says is right. We must be diligent and know our word, the Bible, well. Verse 8, suddenly they looked around. They no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. So they had this, they go up on the mountain, they have this encounter. Um, Peter says, let's stay. Uh, and then then all of a sudden, it's all gone. It's just Jesus. All of a sudden, the attention comes back to Jesus. This is why we're here. This is what's important. This is what it's all about. Jesus must remain the main thing. Jesus must remain the main thing. In this room, we can differ on a lot of things, a lot of opinions. Jesus must remain the same thing. In this room, there are people from many different backgrounds and many different worldviews and many different upbringings and different stages of life and different priorities in life. Jesus must remain the same thing, in, in the main thing. In this room, there's many different opinions about how church should go and, and, and we all have our different preferences and we all have our different things. Jesus must remain the main thing. All across this room, there's different perspectives and opinions of what our next lead pastor should look like. Jesus needs to remain the main thing. Let's not lose that as a church. The message of Jesus and the gospel unites us. The message of Jesus and the gospel helps us be unified. Don't allow gossip and slander to come into your relationships and dishonor Jesus. But let's protect that. Let's protect our unity as a church on the message of Jesus. Amen? So their focus comes back on Jesus. Our focus needs to be on Jesus. Their focus comes back to the gospel. Our focus needs to be on the gospel. And then, and that's what happened to the disciples in this moment. Verse 9. They were coming down the mountain. Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone. What they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept the matters to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. So on their way down the mountain, they're given instructions by Jesus. Don't tell anyone about my transfiguration. Keep it a secret until the resurrection. See, the pieces of the puzzle were coming together, but they were still confused. They, they didn't fully grasp it. But they obeyed Jesus. They didn't talk about it. But they were still wrestling. What does it mean, rising from the dead? But they came down changed from their encounter. And they, they followed Jesus because they knew there was more work to be done. And then the last few verses. And they asked him, why do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, to be sure, Elijah comes first and restores all things. Why then it is, is it written that the Son of Man must suffer and be rejected? But I tell you, Elijah has come and they have done to him everything they wished, 
just as it was written about him. Again, this is a reference to some Old Testament stuff, which the disciples would have been very, very, very familiar with. They knew what was written in the Old Testament about, about the coming of the Messiah, and this was important to them. So they asked him, what about Elijah? They would have remembered the teachers of the law and what they said about the Messiah coming to restore all things. We find that in Malachi 4, verse 5 and 6. It says, Remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and laws I gave him at Horeb for all Israel. See, I will send you a prophet, Elijah, before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. So this prophecy was not about uh, the person of Elijah, but the spirit of Elijah. John the Baptist uh, comes as a forerunning prophet in the spirit of Elijah. And Jesus answers them that, yes, in fact, um, he has come and restores all things, but not before Jesus must suffer and be rejected. So just as Elijah suffered, Jesus must suffer. Just as John the Baptist was rejected, Jesus uh, must be rejected. So again, these are Old Testament references, but it's a reminder to the disciples and to us that this was all set in motion long ago. And Jesus was coming to fulfill what was written in the Old Testament. Again, the disciples were putting the pieces of the puzzle together. Their minds were confused. They were trying to wrestle with it all. But they continued to follow Jesus and trust him. They continued to follow him. As Christ followers, sometimes we don't see the pieces of our life, the puzzles, the pieces of the puzzle of our lives coming together the way we think it should, or we don't know what's next. The disciples were in this moment at this point in Mark, but they trusted Jesus and they continue to follow his leading. I encourage you, if you're wrestling with something right now about your life, about your future, about your hopes, about your dreams, about something you're going through, trust Jesus. He knows what's best for you. Continue to follow his leading and guidance. Well, that's an overview of the text and I'm uh, just gonna do a, a review and then I'm gonna pray for us. So again, to review what we've learned this morning, we have this opportunity to encounter Jesus each and every day. We can encounter him in our daily quiet time, in a conversation with someone else, on a walk in nature, reading scripture, in times of prayer, in a worship service gathering just like this, small groups, and the list goes on and on and on. We have the opportunity to encounter Jesus. And that's what happened in this portion in Mark. The first point, they climbed the mountain. They walked in step with God, with his leading. They went with him and they were close to him and they shared this amazing experience, this amazing encounter with Jesus. We must do the same. The same. Let us walk in step with Jesus. Let us look for opportunities to, to uh, see him deeper and know him deeper. The second thing, they encountered Jesus. They saw Jesus and they saw the glory of God on that mountain. And they were changed. They were awestruck by what they saw. We need to make room in our lives to encounter Jesus. Set aside time to get to know Scripture. Set aside time to pray. Set aside time to sing and worship Him on a daily basis. And when we come to church, come with an expectation that I'm here to be a blessing to those around me. And I am here to encounter Jesus. I want to be changed by His presence just like these disciples were. And the third point, they came down changed. They had this moment with Jesus on the mountain. And even though they wanted to stay there, they knew that there was more for them. 
as you encounter Jesus, know that you must be changed because of it. An encounter with Jesus must produce life change. And we must respond in all areas of our life when we encounter Jesus. It's got to affect our choices, motives, actions, how we spend our time, our finances, caring for those in need, relationships, priorities, and again, the list goes on. We must change. We must continually be on this journey together pursuing Christ. And I encourage you this week, I encourage you to, to take your notes or remember these three points. And in your daily, daily routine, in your daily time with God, go through these steps and make that a habit um, this week and see what, God, see what God does. All right? Why don't you close your eyes? I'm going to pray for us. Before I pray, just while your eyes are closed, I want to give an opportunity for someone this morning who does not have a relationship with Jesus. But today, as you're sitting in this service, God is stirring your heart and calling you to his side. Please know that Jesus loves you and he cares for you and he laid down his life for you. There's nothing you can do to earn his love. Jesus is calling you today and he wants you to respond. And it's as simple as this. You admit that you're a sinner. You believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose again. And you confess that Jesus is Lord. If that's you today, if you want to accept Jesus as your Savior, I ask and ask you to repeat this prayer after me in, in your mind, in your heart, or, or under your breath. So you can repeat after me. Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that you're God and that you can forgive me. I confess my sin to you today and I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I want to live for you and serve you. And God, I just pray for each person in this room. I thank you for scripture today. I thank you for what these disciples experienced, what they went through on this mountain. And God, I pray for us as a church and us as individuals. God, would you help us to do what they did and climb that mountain? God, wherever you lead us, wherever you guide us, would you help us to follow would you help us to walk daily in step with Jesus, following you and, and, and doing what you've called us to do? Secondly, God, I pray that you would help us to encounter Jesus. May we never lose sight of the fact that you are awesome and powerful and amazing and loving. Help us, God, to live in awe of you. Would you help us to make time in our lives where we can set aside time to learn and to grow and to know more about you? And God, would you help us to be changed from experiencing your glory, from experiencing your majesty, from uh, experiencing you and all your glory. Help us, God, to, because of our encounter with you, that there would be life change, that there would be transformation. Help us, God, to respond to you in all these ways. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.